Rolling along on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Let's talk some more Illini basketball. Plenty have weighed in on the U of I Illini Link text line. Let's get to those right now. Uh, 651 says, one thing that's encouraging is that as long as the offense is cooking, they can play five or six minutes of decent defense and open up a double-digit lead at any moment. So explosive. We saw that late against Iowa. Obviously, it happened at some point against Minnesota, who very competitive game. We're leading for a while. Cam Christie slowed down in the second half. I will give Illinois credit for that. Uh, I know that Brad shouted out Justin Harmon after the game. That was noticeable to me, just him kind of making his his catches tough and was almost in full denial mode at some points. That was an adjustment. I know Shannon took some of that matchup in the second half too. So I do think Terrence Shannon has been playing really well on the defensive end. It might not, might not show it based on how the team has played, but like you look at last night – he was guarding Elijah Hawkins in the first half. We didn't make a field goal. Now, I know he had a heck of a night passing, and he he's really, really good point guard in terms of a facilitator and a floor general, but no field goals for him in the first half. And then with Max Christie really getting whatever – or Cam Christie. Looking like whatever, Max Christie. Looking like Max Christie. He was Yeah, he's in the NBA, isn't he? He's on the yeah. Lakers. Yeah. Cam Christie getting whatever he wanted. Damask really struggled to stick with him. Shannon guarded – cam in the second half and it was a much quieter second half for him so i think shannon particularly has played well on the defensive end he may be the only one though how dare rafael davis keep terrence shannon off of his i'm tired of hearing about rafael davis hear that. hearing yeah. about and hearing from rafael davis personally if i'm putting a, an opinion out there yeah I, i'm with you we're gonna hear the brad in a little bit here later on but the one thing I will say is I think it's totally valid to praise Terrence Shannon's defense despite what's happened here recently as a team defensively. But maybe don't be lobbying for defensive awards for your team after giving <laughs> up 97 to Minnesota. Like maybe wait until you hold someone under 80 to do that. That wouldn't be my only suggestion there. All-American, Wooden Award, National yep. Player of the Year, yep. all that. Fine Lotto by me. pick, maybe. Lotto pick defensive player of the year after you gave up 97 to Minnesota at home, maybe not the best time to be pushing for that particular award, but that's just my two cents. Yeah, it was just the first time since 1975 that Illinois gave up that many points in a non-overtime game in the Big Ten on its home floor while we're doing mind-blowing stats. Yeah. As far again, it works offensively. First time in 30 years you scored – that many points in a Big Ten game in regulation, but it's been 50 years almost that you've given up that many in regulation in a Big Ten game in Champaign. Oh, by the way, if anybody's wondering, that was number one Indiana, Scott May, father of Sean May, Quinn Buckner and company. They did it to the tune of 112 points before the invention of the three-point line. So I can only imagine what that looked like. I'd have to dial up my buddy Lauren Tate uh, if he can remember back then. Here's the one other thing I'll say, too, not to give Rafael Davis too much time here, but I see him out here, like, victory lapping everything and, like, posting the box score and talking. His whole argument is that Ace Baldwin should win the award. Penn State is not good, and their defense is right on par with Illinois. Defense so, stinks. I mean, what should we be posting <laughs> the Penn State defensive box scores and acting like we're saying something here? At least give me, like, I don't know, Zach Eady is your choice or something. If you're going to, like, play this whole, well, you just gave up 97. How dare you ever call me out? It's a good Ace point. Baldwin, I mean, if we're, if we're doing the whole team thing, 
I agree. Ace Baldwin's a great defender. His team is not a good defensive team. So can't you admit that Terrence Shannon's a good defender, mm. even though his team's not a good defensive team, mm. and not try to you know play the whole hypocritical card there? That's my only gripe with him. Let's uh, cut that up and put it on Twitter. At Rafael Davis. Oh, Let's get it going. <laughs> get like four quote tweets of me. <laughs> uh, I don't need we don't we don't need any more Rafael Davis on anybody's timeline. But um in case you're listening, Rafael, we appreciate the listen. Uh I bet he's not. Let's keep going here. Uh, let's see. 217. Guys, you have to select one for the following for the tournament. The current offense or defensive ratings or switch them around. What would be better for a March run? That's a good question from Bob. Give me this current makeup. If you're relying on just out-defensing teams and really struggling to score, I think you're out in the first round or early in the tournament. Because in the NCAA tournament, you're playing all good teams, all teams that can score. To me, I know the the cliche saying and everything, defense wins championships. I agree that you need to defend in some capacity to win a national title. But at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, Great offense is going to beat great defense every time. So if you're going to enter a tournament with a ton of offensive struggles and you're just going to expect that uh, we're going to hold every team we play to 60 points for six straight games, I think you're getting beat pretty darn early in that strategy. As opposed to, I think if you enter six straight games saying, let's try to outscore people, I think you can go a lot further and you at least have a – a baseline in which you're not going on a eight minute offensive drought where the game's over. Like you're never out of a game if you got a top offense and you're always going to be in a game with a chance to win. Even if at this, at some point, maybe you're going to lose a 102 to 98 game. Illinois, Kentucky, that could be a score both for the winning or the losing side for either of those. If they were to meet there in the second round, round of 32, four or five matchup, That'd be fun, but it would be terrifying, probably it, for both if sides. If Illinois gets Kentucky in the round of 32, I'm convinced that there is some plot within the NCAA tournament committee to screw Illinois over. <laughs> that would be the only explanation. After the draws that Illinois has gotten here recently, if you look at the 4-5 line, I actually am I'm interested to pull this up because I was talking about this with somebody last night. The 4-5 and five seeds that Illinois could see, I'm pretty confident Illinois could beat, except Kentucky. Kentucky's got four NBA players and an offense comparable to Illinois. Yep. That would be the most brutal draw I could imagine. I know another team that has raised my attention a little bit is Clemson because PJ Hall could be a problem for Illinois inside. 6'10 and uh versatile scorer that back to the basket can all stretch stretch out from three. And they're offensively, they're 20th in Ken Palm offensive efficiency. But, yeah, I agree. I mean. I think they'd have quite a few matchups in the backcourt to exploit on Illinois' end, though. Good call. Joe Joe Girard's got to check somebody. (laughs) Oh, boy. Has he checked anybody in his career? No. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, Kentucky, because of their just dynamic scoring ability, that would be strength on strength, weakness on weakness. And Kentucky's, I've talked about it, their defense has been – tissue paper for most of the season the metrics say like I referenced in my stat that Illinois has actually been worse over the last month month and a half so yeah let's assume that Illinois is going to be a three or a four seed in the tournament the five and six seeds currently on Lenardi's bracketology are Washington State Wisconsin Dayton 
St. Mary's, Kentucky, Clemson, South Carolina, and Florida. One of those is not like the others to me. Yep, yep. <laughs> and that's the one Illinois is probably going to get because you know in that committee room they're going to say this would be a classic of a game. It would. Between two of the best offenses in the sport, plus we have our, our we love our storylines. Let's put Brad with his former assistants who left him for the first time. Oh, I, I can see that one playing out already. Anyone but Kentucky is is the short but sweet of it. He says, "Oh, we're definitely playing Akron round one, UK round two. Yeah, that, that's probably what it'll, what it'll be. I'm hoping Kentucky, honestly." Hopefully Kentucky moves up to a four seed before the tournament starts because they're more their talent and I know they have their own defensive issues, but their talent is more three four seed than five. And so anyone who sees them as a five is in some deep trouble in my opinion. And of course Illinois has a chance to get up to a three still. That's true. That's true, yep. Especially if you beat Purdue. A two one seven says I wouldn't want to play BYU. They hit two point jumpers all day. That is something against the drop that Illinois is giving up at a high rate. Although they shoot more threes than twos as a team. Is that right? Now, of course, they could just get red hot and beat you, but I honestly wouldn't hate that matchup because I think Illinois would force them into long twos, which if they're just going to long two you to death, I think Illinois outscores them and wins. Yep. I know on the note of the question, would you rather have the current metrics or the flip? One thing, it's not a perfect comparison, but in terms of the season-long metrics, it's pretty close. You go back to... 2008-09, Illinois was 104th in offense, 4th in defense. That squad, 24-10 and 10 Bruce, for Bruce Weber. You had the likes of Demetri McCamey as a sophomore, Chester Frazier as a senior, Trent Meacham as a senior, Mike Davis, Tisdale as sophomores, Dominique Keller. The one, and Illinois ended up getting a 5 seed that season. The one caveat, of course, is Chester Frazier was hurt and didn't play in the tournament game against Western Kentucky, who upset them as a 12 seed. But they're, and I, I was younger at that time, but I don't feel like there was any feeling of, oh, well, this Illinois team, watch out for them. They're going to be dangerous in the tournament. I know that the Frazier injury, but I mean, we're talking about a guy that wasn't the most offensively capable of, of, of guards, great leader, great defender. But this Illinois team with their offense could play their way deep into the tournament with that upside of scoring where that Illinois team I don't feel like that that was in the cards. And also, if you even just want to look at this year, Kyle already mentioned Maryland elite on defense by the metrics, kind of in a similar, you know, they're 150 or something like that on defense. I would much rather be, obviously, Illinois versus a version of Maryland or a version of Rutgers or a version of Illinois in, in 2008-09. Because, like you said, you've got to be able to score against people because – even if you're really, really good defensively, there are some teams out there like a UConn that's going to score anyway, or even Houston, known for their defense. They've got you know Jamal Shedd that can make plays and whatnot. They're going to be great on the offensive glass. I'd rather score it, although there are examples of Iowa, of some other teams. I mentioned Baylor last year, of squads that have been so far geared offensively and then get upset early because they, they don't get stops. Yep, along those lines, Bill says... Kyle just explained why Iowa and Loyola Marymount have had all their tournament success while Rick Pitino's teams in Virginia have not won with defense. Well, Virginia's national title winning team was number two in the country in offense. It's pretty good. Rick Pitino's 2013 Louisville vacated title team, I believe, was number five offensively. 
Solid. So they had both. It's not they didn't enter the tournament not being able to score and just out defense people six straight games. They had both. Obviously, you'd love to be elite on both ends of the floor. Yes. But the question being, you can only be good on one end of the floor. I'd rather it be offense. And I know that that necessarily isn't where you want to be. I'm not saying that Illinois' profile right now is going to win them a national title, but it'd be better than entering the tournament with the best defense in the country and a team that just struggles to score. Like, you look at Virginia, this year's Virginia would be a better example. You see them putting up 40-something on North Carolina. They give up 54. Great defensive performance. You lose because you can't score the ball. Can and you imagine watching that? I would, like, yeah, on a consistent no. basis, what if that was Illinois? That's the other thing. Like, Illinois played games. They played a 38-33 game against Penn State. I'd rather lose 90-89 to and watch that game, even though it was – look, it was disgusting defensively. But I remember vaguely, albeit, what 38-33 looked like, and I'd rather watch the offense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'll add this to that point, too. If you look this year – to teams that are top 15 defensively and sub 100 offensively. Those teams are Rutgers, not going to make the tournament. Maryland, not going to make the tournament. Virginia, bubble. UCF, not going to make the tournament. Mm. Whereas the teams that are top five offensively and reaching the hundreds defensively, you got Alabama, safely a tournament team, top five seed in the tournament. You Illinois. have Illinois safely in the tournament, top five seed in the tournament. You have Kentucky safely in the tournament, top five seed in the tournament. Now, Iowa's there as well, and they're not going to make it, but I think you'd rather be elite offensively than elite defensively if you can only have one. You and I are on the same page there. Wes arguably, arguably should be 7-0 and in February, even at 269th defensively in February. That's true. I mean, if you would have closed the the Penn State game up seven with 35 seconds to go and Michigan State was more time still left on the clock in terms of closing that thing down, but you were firmly in control. And of course, it took a pretty epic melt to let that go and lose 88 to 80. Wade asked, TSJ is the best all around player in the college game, true or false? I think it's true. Yeah, Zach Eady obviously is a big, doesn't play in the perimeter, does most of his damage from inside. Now, he's good on both ends of the court, but I don't know if you could say all around as a, you know, back-to-the-basket post-playing center. Yep. Dalton Connect, a guy who is electric offensively, not great defensively. R.J. Davis, electric offensively, not much defensively. Who else would be in the conversation for top players in the country? I guess Jamal, Jamal Shedd's Shed, up there. Jamal Shedd would be another one I think you could argue, although he doesn't he's not the scorer that Terrence is. He's probably right. much better defensively, a better facilitator, but he's not the electric athlete and scorer that Terrence is. But he I would I wouldn't hate that answer. But I think Terrence Ace is Ace Baldwin, of, best. of course. <laughs> I would <laughs> Terrence Shannon is so much better offensively than Ace Baldwin. Okay. You win. Yeah, I mean, Terrence Shannon is one of the best two-way players in the country, I think. I definitely agree with that. I, I, and I've i said it before. I think he is almost as physically dominant as Zach Eady is. I would sometimes it's that. not almost. I would agree with that in, in a much different way, obviously. But if he gets out into the open floor, your only hope to stop him is to foul him yep. and get away with it is yep. basically it. 
And that's basically what it is. If you get matched up deep in the post one-on-one with Didi, your only chance to stop him is he misses a bunny or you foul him. That's just what it is. If Terrence Shannon gets ahead of steam in the open floor, he's not going to be stopped. No doubt. 217 says, I think at the beginning of the year, they were uncertain about how good their offense was. When they started to realize their offense is great, they think they can just outscore everyone and not play any defense. I think that the Iowa game showed two guys in particular that were really locked in defensively. I thought Shannon and Damas did really good jobs given their matchups. Uh, Kyle diagrammed how Shannon was was good again last night. I think for the large portion of early when he first returned, he was pretty horrendous, uh, a big liability at that end. But recently he's been really good and played with a lot of engagement and, and effort. And obviously his athletic traits make him a, a real asset defensively. But yeah, on the whole, I think somebody, let me ask you this, Kyle, because I think it's something that you kind of analyze and you wonder about. I know Wade asked a question about the ball screen coverage with Coleman, how much, with how little time there is until postseason play, will will there be a change in how Illinois is guarding stuff? But do you think it's, how much is scheme, how much is effort, toughness, how much of it is just some flaws, some flaws in your, your roster makeup? Like, I know some of this is a broken record. We've gone over this because Illinois continued to have defensive issues, but I do think I think it's it's part all of it. It's all of the above, in my opinion. I think some of it's scheme that Illinois hasn't adjusted. I think there's some stubbornness with Brad. Although there is a give and take with defense. If you do uh, something in terms of help defense, if you were aggressive in ball screens and you had to rotate to help the the roller and whatnot, you're giving up some corner threes, which Brad just doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to have guys playing rotations. He doesn't want to have matchup changes especially now that they're not switching as much or at all so I think that there is some scheme that's hurting Illinois but then also I think that there's been effort or lack of toughness lack of engagement and then there are just guys who are defending in spots that aren't aren't great or just aren't good defenders like Marcus Damask on the perimeter Luke on the perimeter against quicker guys those have been challenges Coleman in one-on-one matchups he really is is getting targeted like I know Gar- Darson Garcia's had a heck of a year but I mean that's that's pretty much a no contest back to the basket against Coleman last night and he had a big game so what what do you think as far as that goes yeah I mean I think it's a mix of everything I also just feel like the scheme that they're playing this year just doesn't fit this group of players very well especially when you talk about their ball screen coverage I just think Coleman and we've talked about it plenty. Coleman Hawkins just is not a fit for the deep drop that they play most of the time. He's not a rim protector, and he's a guy that's better utilized on the perimeter when he's playing in space and he's guarding and he's switching. And I feel like that limits things. I also think that there's guys that get targeted and exploited, whether that is Coleman one-on-one in the post or whether that's Damask, whether that's Goody. I don't think Harmon's been all that great defensively for most of the year. Quincy Terrence, recently. Quincy recently has really, yeah, he's and he's fouling way too much too. That's another thing just in general. This team fouls way too much. Last night that wasn't really the case. They were just giving up buckets, but they've been fouling a ton. It's tough to say. It's tough to, to say here's the, the one reason that Illinois is bad defensively because you look individually up and down the roster, there's no reason you should be the – 260 some best defense there's no reason for that you have capable defensive players you have length 
and you have athletes and I just think the way that they've played this year just doesn't fit the guys that are on their roster and I think coaches now this late in the year have realized that there is a lot of ways to exploit the way Illinois plays defensively and they just keep hammering those things whether that's you know what Minnesota did I mean in the second half too Elijah Hawkins and Pharrell Payne had a nice little two-man game going where it's just Elijah Hawkins could throw a balloon ball up towards the rim and Payne's going to come down and dunk. Yep. There's just no there's no rim protection and there's yeah. really no resistance at the rim for this team. And that's a roster issue more so than a team not playing hard enough. While True. I think certain games, Penn State in particular, there's been effort issues and guys that are just getting beat when you shouldn't get beat. So it's a combination of a lot of things. But... I just maintain that I feel like this team would be better suited to play a lot more aggressive than they've played on the defensive end. I think it would even help their offense elevate even more, too. Mm, yep. With it, It's pretty incredible that this team, with the transition force that Terrence Shannon is, is the number three offense in the country, maybe their best offense in program history, and they do not force turnovers. That's pretty it's insane. True. It's and true. Brad Underwood was asked about it, and we'll get to it soon here, about kind of turning teams over, and he was adamant about how that's not how he wants to play. I just think this team should be would be better suited playing a little more aggressive style of defense. I just think they play a very passive style, which is by design. When you're going to play drop, and, and uh, I just don't think that fits what this team does, and Coleman in particular. I think Coleman, for all the arguments that have been had by Rafael Davis or whoever it is, Coleman Hawkins is a very good defensive player. He's a gifted defensive player, and he hasn't looked that way, and I don't think that's really his fault. I think that's the position he's been put in. Yeah, it's been about a month. A month ago, we were probably continuing to hammer home. Coleman could or maybe even should be the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten, and that is no longer the case. I mean, he has not been a – he has not looked like a plus – a huge plus defender – over the last month, a lot of times because he's playing in that drop. I do think he plays a part in that in terms of positioning sometimes or just physicality. I know some of that is outside of his 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 makeup. I mean, he's not a he's not a big brawny type of guy, uh, but he is someone that you know guards have scored through him or he hasn't just acted tough in the pain and whatnot. So. I agree with you. I think the ball screen stuff, like, yes, they're they're soft around the rim, but they're also super soft in their ball screen coverage. So, again, there is a, there's a give and take because if you, if you do something different, that opens something else up potentially if a team executes out of it. I just think that on the whole, if I was trying to, to come up with something going into postseason play, it would, it would just to be able to throw a different look out there to try to make teams uncomfortable – I know we see we saw that against Maryland, and, and to Brad's credit, he actually made that adjustment, even though it seemed obvious to everybody. Uh, and he even maybe against his his gut feel on how he wants to play defense said that ultimately it it helped them win the game. You get in a tournament game if, if you don't adjust. Oh boy, uh, what our text line is going to look like uh, if they let you know a one on one matchup in the post they don't double, or if uh, they're getting killed in ball screen and they don't come up and show heavier. or a blitz a guard off a ball screen type of thing. You got to be able to do that. You got to have that at least in your in your back pocket if not implemented in your your regular offensive scheme to be able to throw that at somebody. I'm not saying that they don't, but there have been times where one maybe has been a little 
a little stubborn in scheme, although I'm not letting players off the hook either because this team is built with their athleticism and, and, and size that they should be getting more stops. And there's not many teams in the country that have Coleman Hawkins' versatility and just ability to play on the perimeter that Illinois does, and they just don't use it on defense very much. I've There's been certain games where they have used it, and it's been some of their better defensive games. Like when Coleman Hawkins was pretty much switching full-time onto Tyson Walker and Hogard here in Champaign, Illinois actually got a lot of stops. Like when they're using him out on the perimeter, I think they've looked the best. When you're just sit- sitting him on the Big Ten logo in deep drop coverage, that's just – he's – taken out of the game like he's just he's taken out of the game defensively I him particularly I would that's why I would like to see some wrinkles with him particularly coming out and blitzing some ball screens and just getting outside more and being able to use that versatility because I think it could be such a weapon for Illinois and especially if you are going to play Dane Danger a little bit more which we can also talk about. He had a nice game last night. I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but if you are going to play either Hansberry or Dane Danger, maybe that's a way where I know that maybe on paper, well, Dane Danger hasn't been good defensively, but it allows you to move Coleman around a little more, whereas you can sit Dane, who's a little bit more of a rim protector, bigger body down low. I just think there needs to be something there, particularly with Coleman Hawkins, because everybody else, I think they kind of are what they are defensively. Mm -hmm. But Coleman Hawkins, to me, I just think has been misused on the defensive end. And that's the the weapon that Illinois hasn't really unleashed here recently that I think they very well could in March, and I think they might need to. That's well said. We'll get Brad Underwood's perspective coming up next. He spoke about his thoughts, 105-97 over the Gophers last night. Before we get to that, though, I do have to do a little work. Let me tell you about Busey and a message to my loved ones. As you celebrate the special person in your life, give them the love letter that lives on an estate plan. According to a survey by caring.com, more than half of Americans, actually 60%, do not have an up-to-date estate plan. Complete a message to my loved ones, no matter your stage in life, from Busey Wealth Management. The packet will help outline your life, your legacy, your wishes through fill-in-the-blank style questions. It might not seem relevant right now, but having an estate plan is a key part of your financial wellness. For more advice on estate planning or financial topics, connect with Busey on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Busey Wealth Management is here to guide you through the estate planning process. Call 1-800-67-BUSEY to discuss your wishes and to request a message to my loved ones. You can also visit them at Busey.com. Busey, member FDIC.
PDR Automotive has now been serving the Champaign-Urbana area for over 50 years. To give you some perspective, 50 years ago ended the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War, and it was when Secretariat won the Triple Crown. So what does that mean for you and your vehicle? Whether you need a carburetor overhauled or your new vehicle computer system diagnosed or programmed, PDR Automotive has the experienced, knowledgeable staff that can handle all your automotive needs. Online at PDRauto.com, they are what's best for your truck or car. They are PDR. Hi, this is Chris Jackson with Kramer Siding and Window. And whatever your project, you can count on Kramer Siding to offer you the best products backed by the best warranties in the business and a lifetime of great customer service. And right now, you can save 10% on roofing, sunrooms, and decks, get 15% off gutter helmet, and you can save 25% on preservation siding, windows, and doors. So call today or visit us at kramersiding.com and let's get started on your project. A tradition of excellence over 150 years in the making. At Busey Bank, we're committed to building relationships that span generations. Wherever your journey in life leads you, we are with you along the way, creating a legacy for you and your family. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868, proud to be the official bank of the Fighting Illini, member FDIC. Hi, I'm Tyler Weaver, president of Carpet Weaver's Flooring and Furniture Gallery. It's time to come home to Carpet Weavers. We don't want you to just like your new floors. We want you to love them. From waterproof floors and carpet to furnitures and design advice, we've got a team of experts on your side. We'll get you the best price and the best quality products. And complete your home with furniture and accessories. Buy it all with free financing, too. Come home to Carpet Weavers, where floors, furniture, and family meet. Want unbeatable prices on your next furniture purchase, but also seeking that local hometown feel? Look no further than Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. Customers rave about their friendly, established staff, as well as their great selection, amazing prices, and second-to-none delivery service. They're a third-generation local business, and they've always got your best interests at heart. Find the look you love for less. Open 9 to 5, Monday through Saturday, but always available online at KelseyFurniture.com. That's KelseyFurniture.com. And what is Dane Danger's favorite thing about living at Pacifica on Green? The space is crazy. The rooms are very nice. Everything is brand new. The people that work here are very nice, very friendly. And I feel like it's just very convenient. The environment is definitely good around here. Even just doing my work, good um, environment around here. That's basketball star Dane Danger. See it for yourself, the ultimate in student housing. Pacifica on Green. Visit them at PacificaOnGreen.com. I-L-L-I-N-I. Cheer on the Illini and Pia as the pregame fun starts at Pia Sports Bar and Grill. Pia serves up its famous 10-ounce Slugger Burger along with great wings and so much more. Enjoy 350 22-ounce light and course light drafts every home and away Illini game. Watch the game at Pia's or ride the free shuttle to all home games. You'll find it all at Pia's with live video gaming, sports, food, drinks, and fun. See you at Pia's, West Springfield Avenue in Champaign. When you make the right decision, it feels good, like picking the perfect accent rug or choosing a good night's sleep over an all-night crime show binge. It feels really good to make the right insurance decision, too. That's why State Farm Agent Kurt Lenschow is right here in Champaign-Urbana to help you select the right protection at the right price. Kurt will make sure you understand your State Farm coverages so you'll know what to expect if the unexpected happens. Just call him when you want the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Coach, it did seem like a, kind of a chess match in the second half. There was in terms of finding the right matchups on both ends. Were, were there some changes you thought impacted that and allowed you to start pulling ahead a little bit? Well, I thought Justin coming in. Um, you know, I thought Justin did a really good job. You know, that we started the second half and we made the switch, put uh, Terrence on on um, on Cam. And uh, you know, kind of made things harder. And then you know, all of a sudden here, Elijah gets going, and and uh, I thought Justin coming into the game impacted that a great deal. Um, put Terrence back on the ball, and uh, um, you know, just just kind of made catches a little bit harder um, for for their perimeter shooters. But you know, they made everything they looked at. You give them a lot of credit, um, you know. And and then I thought we got enough stops, enough rebounds. And then, uh, you know, it, it, it didn't put a ton of pressure on us because we were scoring at the other end. The, obviously, you've had some teams come in here and shoot pretty well it, it, here at the State Farm Center. Is it is when they get hot, I mean, is it because they get off to a good start and they get that confidence? Or how, how do you keep get them off that, you know, early on in the game? Well, I think we've got to understand that we've got – five really, 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 really good offenses. And I'm, I'm really tired of the narrative in the Big Ten that this is a big, slow, slug them out league. Um, and and the, the dynamic has changed in this league. This is a guard league. You know, we haven't had Zach, no doubt, but this is a guard league. There's some unbelievably good guards in this league, best, best I've seen since I've been here. But uh, offensive efficiency in this league, we have five teams above what Purdue was last year. And Purdue was one of the most efficient teams in the country last year. We have five teams this year. So offense is at a premium. You have to be able to score to, to, to win games. And, you know, the old cliche, offense wins games, defense wins championships. Tonight, offense won us a game. And, uh, but I, I, good players. I mean, there's a reason it's really hard to play at the next level. I think we got really, really good players. We got really good guards, and um, you know, you uh, uh, makes it tough. And 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 we're we're obviously going to play high possessions, you know. So there's going to be more possessions. You know, we're gonna we have that ability. Brad, you're the number thirteen ranked team in the country. You have the number three offensive efficiency. Your defense fell to ninety five tonight. Is that how concerning is that or? Do you need more balance there? Just what's your take? Probably, on? probably. I mean, there's no doubt. I, you know, I mean, it, it, I'm not as worried about it when we're playing the number of possessions we're getting. I'm, you know, it's 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 kind of the old cliche. You know, how do how do how do you move up in the net? How do you get in the you know in Ken Palm? Well, you beat people by a hundred. You know, if you or you or you, it's offensive based. Uh, I think in the NCAA tournament. I think you got to be able to score. I think we have a lot of weapons to score. Do you need to be? Do we need to be better defensively? Yes. And my problem defensively is some of the mistakes that we're making, and and we've got to those those are allowing teams the good starts. Yeah, coach. I know there's not a ton you can do about it when they're taking such good care of the basketball. But are there things that you want to do to try to turn teams over a little no, bit more and speed, speed them up? No, I don't give two rips about turning people over. You find any team that turns people over, and I'll usually show you a bad team that's – I don't want to stay in rotation. Um, I, I did that. I had top five teams in trying to force turnovers and do that, and the, and the players are too good at this level. Um, it's, it's too challenging to, to try to win that way every single night. Um, no, we're, we're, we're really good with where we're at. 
Brad, what is on the offensive end, though, in terms of turnovers? What has led you guys to play more possessions, but on a night tonight where you have four in a 40-minute game? Are you just that connected offensively? You know, this is going to sound really bad. We don't pass. And, I mean, I mean, we, we, we play into – you know, a lot of teams have the, the, the mindset, you know, and I have, it, have had it for years. You get it to the third side, you know, there's, there's great advantage getting it to the third side. We do that, but the way we start a lot of offense is with, you know, the booty ball and, and or a little action. And, and so we're not creating those, those turnovers, um, but we are very connected. And we know where guys are at spacing-wise. We have a very good feel for that. And, um, you know, you are a little bit shocked when we turn it over. Brad, what does this version of Dane give you? I know on the note of defense, a lot. it seemed like a lot. the most physical inside. A lot. Yeah, we're going to need Dane. And, and you know, Dane's a, Dane's a really, really good player. And, um, you know, it, it's, been a, it's been a challenge like I said, playing all the post-up stuff, opening the paint up. We're a driving team. We've been very good at that. We get to the foul line a lot. Um, so it, it has been somewhat challenging at times in terms of where to play him. He, he's, he can score with his back to the basket. Well, as soon as he, you know, he's on the block, th- those driving lanes become a, a, lot, a lot more clogged, and, and that's why they don't do it in the NBA. Um, but, um, you know, he's finding his spaces. He's, he's a very good roller. He can play in the pocket. He's getting really comfortable there. And then in what we call the dunker spot, moving around the baseline, uh, he's very, very efficient. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm, all of us are getting pretty comfortable with that. You mentioned maybe getting just just enough defensive stops late to kind of change the game. Just with all the offense, can like that that will kill you guys between the six and five minute mark. Can that just be the the difference? And nights like tonight, yes, yeah. I don't know if they had one. I don't know if they went if we went three possessions with in a row without um, with, without scoring. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's nights when the game's pretty and it looks great and the ball goes in and. And um, you know, you're getting those you know three or four consecutive stops is 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 a difference. And uh, um, tonight that was that was big for us. What was the difference for Marcus in that second half after first half where he struggled a bit? Well, a lot of matchups, and you know, I think that that you know it's it's one of the processes we go through every game is is how our team's going to match us and how our team's going to then guard us. And uh, you know they 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 hit us really hard early with a real early trap. The second half they waited a little bit till he got down a little more into scoring area. Um, you know, and then they they really rotated. We had them spaced pretty well, and they were rotating off Terrence in the corner. And uh, you know he's just pretty effective with with all of that. And you know they they tried three or four guys on him, and uh, if if you know it ended up being Dawson at the end. And again, that's. That's to our advantage. Coleman, uh, obviously 50 points the last two games, but seems more off the bounce. He's, he's gotten comfortable. What, what is he showcasing there offensively? We're putting him in space, which is really good. And most of that for him is based on matchup. Um, you know, and it's, it's where he's very comfortable driving five men. He's very comfortable driving size. He's, he's still maybe not... Um, you know, when his his attacks are more downhill, it's not where we're asking him to be at the top of the key and 
and and and do some of the things we did a year ago, you know, in facilitating offense and making plays and passes and reads. It's it's just more downhill, and and he's been very good at that. And and uh, you know, when you're shooting it like he is, that paint gets pretty wide, um, and and uh, he gets pretty hard to guard. You can tell me I'm wrong, but it seemed tonight there was a lot of back and forth in game communication with you and Terrence. And how valuable is his feedback in real time? To, oh, hey, this is, what I'm, this is what I'm seeing. Yeah, it's 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 and it was both ends of the court. Right. Um, it wasn't just the offensive end. It was it was very much the defensive side as well. But um, you know, he's he he plays with a great chip on his shoulder. You know, he's. He wants to be the defensive player of the year in this league. He's talking about, well, can I go under this ball screen? Or can I, you know, when he, when he gets here, can I ice or can I blue? And, um, you know, our, our, our boy at the Big Ten Network, Rafael Davis, gave us great motivation today because, you know, he doesn't like him very much. And, and um, you know, told him he basically left him off the all-defensive team. So, uh, you know, Terrence walked in our coach's locker room and, you know, said, you know, call him and ask him about that. But Terrence is Terrence is in communication all the time and, and uh uh but tonight he was very dialed in, both ends. Coleman mentioned making Cam's touches harder in the second half. What did you see as far as slowing him down, making him a little more uncomfortable than he was in the early going? We let him come off ball screens clean in the fir- in, in the first half. I mean in the first half it was his touches were harder. They were more off off the catch. We never let him get into ball screens. I think he made four in the first half, three or four in the first half off the bounce. And, um, you know, Marcus, uh, you know, started on him and got clipped on a screen. And, and you, you give Cam a, a, a breath of air like that with his high release and 6'6 six, six frame. And uh, that thing's a bucket. And uh, he's done that all year in this league. And, and uh, um, you know, we we did make his touches harder. I thought Justin did a nice job in the uh, second half. Hi, this is Amanda Jean, the founder and planner of Inspire Your Wedding and Events. After the big yes, are you daydreaming about the big I do? Join us for premier, interactive, immersive, inspirational wedding showcase to bring together vendors and couples from all over central Illinois for your big day. Come away with ideas and vendors that will make your wedding one of the most inspiring days of your life. Save the date on Saturday, March 23rd at the historical and unforgettable Orpheum in downtown Champaign. For complete details, visit inspireyour.com. That's inspireyour.com. Hey, where are you headed? To Kelsey Furniture in Tuscola. What do they have there? What don't they have there? Living room furniture, benches, chests, love seats, sectionals, tables, bedroom sets, hutches, nightstands, end tables, cabinets, mirrors, stools, clocks, lamps, pillows, rugs, desks, media consoles, patio furniture, Tempur-Pedic mattresses, and more. So, everything. Yeah, probably could have uh, just said that. Kelsey Furniture, quality for less. BMW, Buick, GMC, Honda, and Subaru. Welcome to Sarah Champagne. We can handle all your car repairs on site, including paintless dent repair, bumpers, windshields, everything in between. We have an amazing selection of new or pre-owned vehicles to choose from. Shop from home and buy online or reserve your vehicle before it hits our website or dealership. Sarah Champagne is home of the Sarah One Price Promise, delivering an honest and transparent buying experience. Hurry in or shop online at sarahchampagne.com. 
Two Men in a Truck has been recognized as a trusted leader in the moving industry for over 35 years. Now we are proud to offer that same reliability to junk removal, introducing Two Men and a Junk Truck to the Champaign area. Our goal at Two Men and a Junk Truck is to help you make room for what matters most. We can make your garage, attic, basement, house, or business look bigger with our furniture or appliance removal. Contact us today at twomenjunktruck.com. Here's your OSF Healthcare Medical Minute. Hi, I'm Dr. Ahmad from OSF uh, Pain and Spine Center in Urbana, and I wanted to emphasize the importance of how common back pain and neck pain is, and some of the things that can cause that. Back pain is as common as the common flu, and uh, everybody in their life gets some back pain. The uh, most common reason is posture problems, or uh, some injuries. And therefore, if initial posture adjustments, some exercises or anti-inflammatory medicines don't help, it is important to get a hold of a physical medicine rehabilitation doctor to get examined and see if there are any red flags about any nerve injury or get bones looked at by an x-ray. For more information, visit osfhealthcare.org. Join Stevie J Broadcasting as we support our favorite Major League Baseball teams and give you the sounds of the summer with all 162 games. Right now, talk to Stevie J or me, Diane Ducey, about the upcoming baseball season with messages for your business at a great rate. The St. Louis Cardinals are heard on ESPN 93.5 and the Chicago Cubs are on US 105.9. March 28th, the season begins. So head to StevieJAY.com to send us a note about promoting your business the Lincoln Day Dinner is coming to the Holiday Inn, 101 Trade Center Drive in Champaign, Sunday, March 3rd, bringing together candidates running for office and those preparing for the election process. The keynote speaker, Champaign County native and Miss Illinois 2018 Grace Cachetarian, has built her career as a TV talk show host and now author. It's okay finding peace in unexpected places. Get your tickets to the Lincoln Day Dinner at the Holiday Inn Sunday, March 3rd. Doors open at 530. Finishing up here on The Drive with Tay and Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Heard there from Brad Underwood. His thoughts after another win at the St. Farm Center. They only lost once at, at home or is it twice? Twice, Marquette and Maryland. Oh, okay. Once in Big Ten play, but yes, twice overall. A chance to go 9-1 and one at home in Big Ten play, though, with a win against Purdue. Of course, this will be your toughest test to date. I think 9-1 and one in the Big Ten would be the best that Brad's done because I think he's been 8-2 and two like every year. Yes. Yeah, at least the last three Every years. year that he's had a good team. Yep. That nineteen twenty season, were they 8-2? and two? Yep, they were 8-2 and two that year as well. So that's four years running. Working on a fifth. At worst, 8-2 and two again. That ninth is going to be a tough one to get, though. It's going to be You're going to earn it if you get that one. No doubt, no doubt. Is Purdue going to have any issue with Michigan State coming up this weekend? No. Okay. No. 
Could they lose to Wisconsin at Mackey the last game of the regular season? No. All right. Part I'm hoping that I just jinx that and we can come back and <laughs> laugh at me. We need Lon on I'm the hoping. line. The yeah, ultimate Lon jinx guy. Say, I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about Michigan State and Wisconsin, and then they'll win. He needs Michigan to pick State, out a particular – who can have the Wahab effect? The Wahab yes. effect. I don't know. Xavier Booker hasn't done anything all year. He won't matter at all in the Purdue. Except he Michigan did do State something, game. and Tom Izzo said, you did too well. We got to bench you in the second <laughs> half of the game against Ohio State. He started him. Booker had seven points, knocked a three down, had three blocks in the first half, and Madi Sissoko closed the game. Tom Izzo, what? I just can't understand what he's doing anymore. Uh, Legendary coach. Mm-hmm. It might be time. I was going to say. It might be time. He's getting what he deserves, right? Yes. Yes. And you've been the one that's been the loudest about it, about how you need to go get a transfer. And it was it was unbelievably annoying that they made the Sweet 16 last year because they weren't a Sweet 16 team. If they do it this year, I will be absolutely <laughs> livid about it. I don't think so, though, because this team is just not very good. Mm-hmm. Flat out, they're not. What are they as, as far as the seed goes? Well, they've lost back-to-back home games now to Iowa and Ohio State. I think they're officially in. They need to win a couple here down the stretch to get in. They're going to Mackey, so they're probably not going to do it. I think their other two games are Northwestern at home and at Indiana. Yep. You probably got to win both those to feel safe heading into the Big Ten tournament. Isn't that crazy? The preseason number five team in the country isn't safe as the calendar is going to turn to March tomorrow. It is crazy, but at the same time, I think we both kind of called that out preseason. Yes. Like, yes. why? Why are they number four? <laughs> Their guards are great. I get it. But this is a team that lost 13 games the last three seasons with this core players. And you're relying upon a freshman who rumors had it wasn't very ready to play in the Big Ten. And mm-hmm. clearly Tom Izzo has not felt that way all season, even though his current centers aren't very ready to play in the Big Ten in year four of Ever. their careers. <laughs> But but at the same time, when I was sitting there saying, I don't think this is a top five team preseason, I sure as heck didn't think that they were not a top 40 team. Yeah. That's crazy. Somehow the the metrics still like them. Like the, For them to be 19th on Kempom is a little head-scratching. Yeah, it is. I, I guess it just – they have lost a lot of close games, but I think part of that is just kind of their roster – Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe they haven't gotten blown out. Have they not gotten blown out? I guess they lost by 14 at Northwestern. Lost by 15 at Wisconsin. So that's not necessarily the case, really. I'd, that's kind of interesting, though. Maybe they don't I have. Don't know what that is. Do they not have a terrible loss? I don't, I don't think they, they lost. Do. They lost at home to James Madison. So well, yeah, yeah. First game of the year. It's kind of interesting, but they haven't really beaten anybody. That, yeah. Baylor. They beat Baylor on a neutral, and then that Illinois win, that Illinois really handed them. That's about all they've done that's been anything close to impressive. Hmm. Yeah, so no hope, I'd say, for them to beat Purdue. And, and look, no one's sitting here holding their breath in the Big Ten title as far as that goes. I was going to look up real quick. I think the one – what you actually should be worried about, not that it really makes a huge difference, but – the Big Ten title, to me, I, I think that's kind of wrapped up. Northwestern yeah. could pass you for the two seed. Mm. Northwestern has a legitimate chance. 
to top you for second place. Now, I don't know how the tiebreakers work, but they're just sitting there right now at, I think, 11-6 and six in the Big Ten. Yep. I, now, I know I they go to Michigan State. was That's the only game I know of that they have left. I'm not sure who else they play. but Home against Iowa, home against Minnesota. That's a 2-1 and one, probably. Should be. And you might beat Michigan State. Who knows? They they lost their last two home games. And so if Illinois goes one and two, I don't know what the tiebreakers look like. I'd have to check. Actually, I could probably pull up my little uh, simulator here. But Northwestern could pass you for that two seed. Not that the two versus three in the Big Ten tournament matters much. But that's honestly the race I would watch closer. I guess I didn't. I wasn't watching last night. What's up with Ryan Langborg? He didn't play last night, right? Yeah, it was Maryland. hurt. I don't know what the injury was, though. Yeah, if they're missing him and obviously Ty Berry, who's going to be out the rest of the season, that could be tougher to beat Iowa, a desperate Iowa team at home over the weekend. But it's kind of the contrast. Well, not really. I, I think I was going to go in the direction of Northwestern's pretty decent defensively, but not this year. That, that's speaking to last year's Northwestern team. They're really good offensively, and we'll see who can score more between the Wildcats and the Hawkeyes. So if if Illinois and Northwestern tie and Illinois does not beat Purdue, Northwestern would win the tiebreaker because they have beaten Purdue. That's your tiebreaker. Now, Nebraska is also hanging around, and their schedule is pretty easy. And so if they were to three-way tie, if these three teams three-way tied at 13-7, and seven, which would involve Illinois going one and two to close, then Illinois would get the two seed. They'd win the three-way tiebreaker. Hmm. So... I don't know if Nebraska loses again. I don't think so either. Tonight, they're at Ohio State. That's their most likely chance to take an L. And then they got home against Rutgers and at Michigan. Yeah, I think tonight would be the night that would separate them. But I think they're in a pretty good spot for a double bye, Nebraska. I think Fred Hoiberg is the coach of the year. He has to be. He has to be. I know we. I kind of joked about Ben Johnson recently. I, I think he's done a nice job. But, yeah, Hoiberg into the double bye projected as one of the bottom three teams in the Big Ten going in. He's definitely earned that. Shout out to Wade. He says ankle injury for Langborg mm. is what kept him out last night. We'll see if that prolongs into the weekend and the final week of the regular season. That's going to do it for us. Good stuff. Good to have you back, Kyle. Luke Goody, we thank him for joining us on the Tapman's Towing phone line. It'll be Joey Wagner's going to come in tomorrow. I know he's going to Indy for the NFL Draft Combine, but he's going to join us to talk about that. Me, Kyle, Joey, Lon back on Monday. Everybody enjoy the night. Talk to you tomorrow. This is The Drive.